I'd like to welcome everybody to, um, to River Church tonight. Um, and I'll be bringing the message tonight because pastor's out of town. And I believe I spoke, I don't know, a couple of months ago maybe. And the last time I spoke, I talked about fear and how we shouldn't allow fear to control us. And after that, I actually started feeling led to look up like Bible heroes. And that led to Children's Church actually studying Bible heroes for the last few weeks. Um, so I've been really interested in the topic of courage. And then, I think it was last Sunday, Pastor said, what could we do if we weren't afraid? And so I thought, ooh, I must be on the right track here. So what we're going to talk about tonight is what could we do if we decided to take courage? So our society places a great deal of value on courage. And it must be really important to God, too, because courage is actually mentioned 28 times in the New King James beginning in Numbers. And 28 times, I think, is something that should get your attention. Yes. You know? Um, and generally, it's worded in a couple of different ways. One is, be strong and of good courage, which I bet you identify with Joshua. And the other is, take courage. And I noticed that take courage is only used in the New Testament, which we'll come back to and talk about in a few minutes. But let's talk about what courage is. In the worldly way of thinking about courage, courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. I think we most, most of us would agree with that. We think about soldiers rushing into battle. We recently went to the National World War II Museum in New Orleans, and everywhere you look, there were stories of courage of both the men and women from World War II. And some of them were like, you know, the guys who were rushing the beach at D-Day, and others were, you know, women who learned to be pilots so that they could pilot planes. And, you know, they'd never actually been in the military before. So there are different types of courage, but it's basically facing things that frighten you. Um, it could be learning to walk again after you've had a stroke. Um, it could be the people who were on Flight 93 on 9-11 and they kept that plane from going to D.C. and, you know, they all died, but they had great courage in trying to stop the hijackers. Um, on a more personal level, it could be that you were in a car accident and you get back in and you drive again. I've known some people who get really nervous after they've been in a car accident. It takes a lot of courage for them to start doing that again. Um, it could also be Courage can be strength in the face of fear or pain. And you tend to think of that about being maybe a physical thing, but it can also be an emotional one. Um, maybe somebody who, a family who has a child after they've lost one. You know, that's a very emotional thing. Um, but they go ahead and do it. Or maybe working through problems in marriage. That's another thing that requires a lot of courage for some people. For a lot of people, it's a lot easier to just say, yeah, okay, we're done. But actually sitting down and working through those problems, that takes a good deal of courage and time. So courage is, worldly speaking, it can be those things. And when I was looking at this and I realized how many times God mentions it in the Bible, I thought, why? Why would he mention courage so much? And I believe that it's because it's so easy to live without it. Because if you think about it, we live in a world right now, especially, where you don't have to interact with other people. 
I mean, think about what we have experienced during the pandemic. Um, you can order your stuff from Amazon. You can pick up your groceries at the curbside. You don't actually have to go in the restaurant. You can get it and take it home and eat it, right? Um, and if that's what you want to do, that's okay. You can actually live a life that's very, I don't know, very isolated from other people. And, I mean, there have always been hermits, and I'm not saying people who right now are hermits or whatever, but um, there have always been people who did not want to necessarily socialize and be around other people. But I think that God wants us to take his light into the world. And in order to do that, we probably are going to have to interact with other human beings from time to time. So tonight, I would like for us to talk about what could we do if we decided to take courage. So to start, let's go in the Old Testament and go through some verses that talk about courage. We're obviously not going to do all of them. But if you would, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 31, 6. I believe I have these in chronological order. I hope so. I apologize if I don't. Remember I said that I found two particular ways that courage was expressed in the Old Testament, and that's how it is here in Deuteronomy, looking at verses, uh, Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 7. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. So Moses basically stands him up in front of other people and said, you need to be strong and you need to have courage because what you're going to do is going to require that. It's going to be one of the elements that you're going to need. It's like, yeah, God is with you, but you know what? If we don't have faith and courage, we can't get anything done. Even if God's power is there to do it, we have to access it, right? So drop down to um, the same book, Deuteronomy 31, but look at verse 23. Then he inaugurated Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. It says he inaugurated him. When I think of that, I think of, bless you, somebody being put into a position of power. And that person was put into a position of power and told, this is what you're going to do, and this is what you're going to need to accomplish it. So then go to Joshua 1. It's going to start sounding a little repetitive here. In Joshua 1, verses 6 through 9, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now that's pretty strong. I mean, that's God basically saying, don't doubt what I have said. Right? It's like, have I not commanded you? Do what I said. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord is with you wherever you go. I think that is a wonderful statement to help you have courage. Yes. You, know, if, you know, and God promises that to us in the Bible, right? But for Joshua, I mean, he knew this was going to come, right? He knew this day was coming. But even if you anticipate it, the idea of crossing over into this promised land, you've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. And these people are now going to look to you to lead them into this land that they've been hearing about for 40 years. Well, okay, some of them not so many, 40 years. Um, but they're looking to you. You have to have great courage. And you have to have great faith in what God has told you. Because if you don't, it's not going to happen. Because we have read about the battles that took place so that they could actually get to the promised land, haven't we? You know, in the world sense, you look at Jericho and you go, that's not happening, right? But you have to have courage and you have to have faith that what God told you to do is going to work. Now, personally, if he told me to march around and then walk away and then march around and walk away and then like blow trumpets, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That's a plan, I guess. But you know what? It was God's plan, so therefore you have faith in it, and you, you just muster up your courage, and you go out there and you do it. And it worked. You know, God knows what he's talking about. So turn to 2 Samuel 10, 12. And the context for this particular one is that Joab and the mighty men of Israel are about to go into a battle. You know, and as usual, things don't look that great for Israel if you just counted by the numbers. But here it says, Be of good courage. Let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. But he starts out by saying, Be of good courage. I'm guessing that if you are someone who's in the military and you're about to go into a battle, having somebody exhort you to have courage is a good thing. You know, especially if you're thinking, they might have more people than we do. You know, you have to muster up your courage. I thought about this when we were at the World War II Museum and we were looking at all the stuff from D-Day. And you know, there are some of those beaches that were a lot easier to take than Omaha. Omaha was hard. And these landers would come up there, and you would see all these people who didn't make it on, up on the beach. And yet, the door comes down, and you go. What courage that must have taken. You know? Think about it, just from a human perspective. How hard would that have been? 
but they just kept coming and they kept coming and we eventually took the beach. That's a lot of courage and you know that somebody was in every boat saying, let's go, let's do it, you know, exhorting them. And courage is something that I think needs to be exhorted in the body of Christ because it's so easy to not have it. I mean, we have it really easy sometimes in the U.S., you know? We can sit on a bench, we can sit in a chair, and we don't really have to do anything. We're, st we're still going to heaven, that's okay. We don't have to do anything because it's a lot easier here than it is in a lot of countries. And some countries like China, they have to have a lot of courage to be Christians, you know? So, okay, turn to Ezra 10.4. And I'm betting you haven't been in Ezra in a while. It's one of those chapters that has dust on it in your Bible. Now, Ezra was not, this is not something where he's like being exhorted before a battle or you know, to lead people to do whatever. Ezra was in a really difficult position here because he had to deal with people who had taken pagan wives while they'd been held captive. And they knew it was a problem and they knew this was a sin for Israel. And so basically, one of the people looks at Ezra and says, in verse four, arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you, be of good courage and do it. And it's like, you sort this out. And this was a real problem because they had not only married these women, they had children with them. And so they were looking at separating them from their families because it had been sin. This is hard. This is hard. So Ezra had to have a lot of courage to do what had to be done so that Israel could be right in the sight of God again. And go over to Psalm 2714. We only have a couple more here. Psalm 2714. And in 2714, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Another thing that sometimes takes courage is waiting. I'm not a patient person all the time. Probably a lot of you could say the same. But in that meantime, when I'm supposed to be waiting, my mind is coming up with, you know, I could just do this. <laughs> Sometimes it takes courage to go out there and wait because other people are going to say, well, why aren't you doing this? And you're like, well, I'm waiting on God. And they're going to go, really? Yep, I'm waiting on God. It takes courage to tell people that, you know? And it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. If you're going to go out there and there's something that you know God is going to do for you and you've told other people about it, stand on it. It might not be the easiest thing you've ever done, but have courage and do it. Because God rewards your courage. And then I've got two from the New Testament. The first is in Mark 15, 43. 
And this is a person we don't talk about a whole lot in the Bible. This is about Joseph of Arimathea. You remember who he was? He provided the tomb where Jesus was going to, to be laid. Well, here it says, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, this guy, it says, is a prominent council member. And you're coming to ask for the body of Jesus. Wow. What are people going to think? They're like, <coughs> why? Why are you? No. Why would you do that? It takes a lot of courage to go up there and say, I want to put his body in my tomb. This means that you sympathized with him, right? This is the equivalent of taking a political stand to say, I would like to have his body and I would like to do it. Because you know everybody's going to talk about it. Right? That was a lot of courage that that took to do that. And I never really thought about it in those terms before. But that's like taking a stand and saying, I know you just crucified him. And I know that people have made fun of him and they think he wasn't really what he pretended to be, but I do. And I loved him, and I want to take care of his body in death. That was a very courageous thing to do. And the last one, Acts 28:15. <coughs> Sorry. It says, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appy Forum and Three Ends. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. You notice that Paul took courage when he saw the brethren. How many times has it helped you to be braver or bolder because you were with the brethren? I mean, how many times has this church gone out and, you know, wanted to pray for people and you go in pairs or you go in like, you know, threes or whatever. And aren't you a little bolder when you have your believers beside you? Yes, yes absolutely. Um, and it said he thanked God and took courage. I sometimes wonder about Paul and all the things that he went through and why he kept going. It's like, wow, such faith that he had. But he also had great courage. You know, just to go through everything he did and then get back in and do it again. So in looking at all of these verses that we just looked at, what I came away from thinking about was courage can be gained or it can be lost. Because courage is a decision that we make. Courage for Christians usually means working in faith to do something that you can't do by yourself. But you have to make the decision. It says, take courage, right? Be strong and of good courage. It's something you have to decide to do. It's not something that God's just going to drop on you and say, okay, I'm just, I've just got a supply of courage. Bonk, here you go. Now go out and do something. It's something we have to decide to do on our own. We have to make that decision. So if you think about the examples, we, we talked about Joshua taking the Israelites into the promised land. What about Hezekiah? 
going off to rebuild the walls and fortify the city so that when it got attacked, it would stand. And, you know, people laughed at him. They laughed at him. They tried to get him to come down and, and, and ensnare him in all sorts of traps and stuff, but he didn't do it. And, you know, Paul was stoned almost to death. Then he went back out and talked about Jesus again. That's courage. You know? It's like, you, you manage to stand up and you walk off and you go to the next city and you do it again. Wow. That's courage. And in 1 Corinthians 6.13, don't turn there, but it says, Remember to stay alert and hold firmly to all that you believe. Be mighty and full of courage. To stay alert and hold firmly to all that you believe. Jesus encouraged his followers to have courage. In the Passion, in John 16.33, it says, Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Yeah, it's easier to be courageous when you hear those words, isn't it? It's like, he conquered the world. He's in me. Guess what? I can do that too. Yeah. Absolutely. So be mighty and full of courage. I love it. And he says, everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. You know, we couldn't be courageous if we didn't have confidence in what God's told us, right? Because you have to stand on what you believe when you have courage. And so we talked about some things through the Bible and some of those examples, but what about modern-day examples of courage? Everybody knows who Smith Wigglesworth is. You know, he did some amazing miracles and things in his meetings. But I read recently about something that happened and it wasn't in one of his meetings. It was actually someone had taken Smith Wigglesworth to a very, very nice restaurant to eat. And so Smith wanders in, and they sit down at their table, and the place is full of, like, really rich people. And Smith watches for a while, and the person who, who's sitting there with him, who invited him, doesn't really know what's going on. And so Smith Wigglesworth stands up, takes his water glass, takes a spoon and goes, donk, 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 donk. And the guy's like, so... The place gets really quiet, and everybody turns around and looks at Smith Wigglesworth, who says, I know there are a lot of you in here eating, but I haven't seen anybody give grace, so I'm going to say grace for all of you. And he proceeded to bless the food for everybody in the room. Now, the guy who had invited him is sitting here going, oh, right, because he's thinking, I am so embarrassed. But then he said he was totally humbled because two families got saved in that room. They came up to Smith afterward and said, tell me more about Jesus. It's like, wow, the courage to stand up and do that. Wow. Would I have that courage? Mm, that's hard. 
that's hard because you know people are going to be laughing at you, right? And we care so much about what other people think, which is silly. You know, we shouldn't care what other people think, but we do. Apparently Smith didn't. I guess a long time ago he'd gotten past that, you know, when you punch people in the stomach at your meetings and they get healed. I guess you get over a lot of that stuff. But really, I mean, what courage was that? And then I wanted to talk about some missionaries. These people were missionaries in the 50s. And they were going to Ecuador. To, they wanted to be missionaries to the Aqua Indians in Ecuador. But, you know, apparently it was, it was a tribe of Indians that had never been reached for Jesus. And in fact, we weren't really sure where they were. So there were these guys. It was Jim Elliott, Pete Fleming, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, and Roger Yoderin. And so they figured out kind of where the people were. They moved their families fairly close by, and then they got a plane, and they flew into where they thought that the Indians would be. And so the Indians noticed the plane. And they came out to the plane, and obviously there was a there was a problem with communication because they didn't obviously speak the same language. <clears throat> and so they invited the Indians to come back and come to a service that evening that they were going to have there on the beach. And the Indians came back, but they came back with their friends and they killed every one of the missionaries. Wow. So those five men all died. And their wives and children were with them in the country, and they faced a question of what they were going to do after their husbands were killed. So after Jim Elliott's death, his wife Elizabeth decided to continue working among those people for two more years. Two Aqua women lived among them, including a woman named Dayuma, who had run away from her tribe when her family was killed. She taught the language to Mrs. Elliott and to Nate Saint, he's another one who was killed, his sister, Rachel. And during the next two years, Elizabeth prepared to go to the people who had killed her husband and share the gospel with them. And in October 1958, Elizabeth Elliot and her three-year-old daughter, Valerie, and Rachel Saint went to live with the tribe that had killed her husband, their father, and her brother. Elizabeth was with the Aquas for only two years while Rachel stayed until she passed away in November of 1994. After moving to the village, Elizabeth began to teach the Aqua Indians from the Bible her forgiveness and acceptance of the tribe are what led them to accept Jesus. She taught them to live fearlessly and love tremendously, which forever transformed their way of life. One of the first men to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior was Minkea, the man who speared Nate Saint, her husband, and Ed McCauley. That's courage. Yes. To go back to the place where these people had killed your husband and to live with them for two years and lead them to Jesus. These people are today around 20% Christ followers. Most of the older generation, those over 50 years old, are Christians. You know, I read that and I thought, how hard would that be? I mean, this man killed your husband. 
and you're going to go and you're going to show them love. What a witness that is. What courage that took. But you know, courage comes in a lot of different forms. And it comes out of different circumstances. And over the years, I have seen a lot of courage from people here at River Church. For instance, I'm just going to say, if you're going to work on Garland and Nett's house, and you let them know that you're not feeling good, you're going to get prayed for. And they've got great courage. Because they go and they pray for these people, and these people are healed. Praise God. And Pam and Joey stepped out and prayed and saved the life of her son. That's courage. Because, you know, when you're placed in that position, you have to be prepared and you just have to do it, I assume. Not having been in that position, I don't really know. But I'm sure it took a lot of courage. And I look at Lisa, and she has the courage to face a lot of hurtful situations at work with love. She loves people, even if they're not always nice to her. That's courage. Because you know what? Normal human psychology wouldn't do that. They would say, nah, let's just be mean back to them because they're mean people. But no, Lisa has the courage to stand up and show love. And Lynn, he has the courage to pray for people he sees daily during his sales calls. You know, he's a salesperson. He needs to make money. But if these people have needs, he's going to stop and pray for them. And that takes some courage because not everybody is always welcoming of that. Um, Kimberly, courage to take authority over sickness on her family. Praise God, you've got to stand up and have courage sometimes and say, no more. No more. That takes courage. And Barry, courage to share his convictions with young people who are put in his path. That takes courage because not everyone has the same background as you do. Not everyone feels the same way as you do. And he's pretty good at helping people to understand what's really important. And these are everyday acts of courage, and they're every bit as important as the others that I've mentioned today. Because if you remember the disciples, the, the accounts that we have in the Bible after the church started, they really impacted individual lives. Right? They were working kind of one-on-one and in groups. And they impacted individuals. We sometimes think, oh, these people are so courageous who have these big meetings and stuff. And it's like, but impacting the people who are in your daily life may be even more important than what they're doing in those meetings. Because these people know you. Or these people, you know, they, they need you. They trust you. And you can make a real difference in their lives. And if you think, as I do, that we're living in the last of the last days, it's real important to show God's love in this unbelieving world. Right? If you remember, Jesus commanded us to love one another. In John 13, he says, A new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Take courage, be strong, and of good courage to love others. What does this mean? Well, that means to help them, to pray with them, to believe with them, you know, stand with them, to encourage them, to render assistance to them, to give them hope, to accept them and to invite them. Right? All those things are ways to show love. But stepping out to show love takes a lot of courage. So Smith Wigglesworth showed it in that restaurant. He stepped out in obedience and love. The missionary showed it for a tribe. You know, they never even met those people. So we do it every day in the course of our normal lives. We step out in love. We show it to our fellow church members, to our coworkers, to our classmates, to our customers, you know, even to the people who are our servers at restaurants. Show them love. And sometimes that takes a little bit of courage. Um, you know, I actually had a coworker one time who had, I don't I remember what, exactly what was wrong with him. I think it was like a headache or something. And I offered to pray for him and he recoiled from me like, oh. And I was like, that's okay. So I went down the hall and then I stretched out my hand and I prayed for him. Because I figure Jesus said we were going to do greater works than he did. And he already showed that that worked. So... I felt like I was okay in doing that. So sometimes they might say no. But that doesn't mean you can't pray for them even, you know, from a distance. You can still do it. So courage, I think, is something that can be taken. And remember I said in the New Testament, it says take courage, take courage. And I think that's because God placed it inside us when we received Jesus. Let's think about Jesus for just a second. Was he bold? Yeah, buddy. He was pretty bold. Like, really bold. Like, he really ticked off a lot of people. Uh, you know, the, the folks who were really religious, right? He, he really was bold. And we can access that courage that he had, and we can take his courage when we need to do something in his name. That's what I say. I'm going to take courage. I'm going to take the courage that was Jesus's, that's mine now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab that courage, and I'm going to just go out there, and I'm going to pray for that person. Sometimes that's what, it, that's what you really need to do. Um, you know, if you're in a really serious situation, maybe there's been a car accident, and you need to stop and pray for someone, it takes courage to stop the car. You know? And to go up there and say, I'm not really a doctor, but I can pray for somebody. You know. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't do that. I actually read um, an interesting account, of, I don't know, a year ago, about someone who was a bicyclist in New York City. And she was turning right. And this big truck beside her didn't see that she signaled that she was turning right. And she turned, and the truck turned, and it ran over her. And then he still didn't know that he had run over her, so he ran over with the back wheels, too. And she was laying there, and this guy got out of a car. He was dressed in shorts and flip-flops. And he came over to her, and he said, 
I'm a pastor, and I just want you to know that God's been talking to me about you, and he said you're going to live and not die. And he stood there, and he spoke over her. She lived. She cycles again. Hallelujah. What courage to go and speak those words that God had given him. You know, it's just, it wouldn't be right not to. Because she might have given up. So speak those words if he gives them to you. And you know, what I mean for tonight's message is really to be a message of encouragement. Because a lot of you have already stepped out there and you've, you've ministered to people and you're trying to make it a part of your regular routine, right? To look for those opportunities where people need to have, have prayer or they, they come to you and they ask you for help. Um, and one of the things that you find is that once you've done it a few times, it's easier the next time, isn't it? And then it's easier the next time. And then you start looking for those opportunities because it's easier than it was before. Because you start learning, God's going to uphold his word. He's going he's to show up. And he's going to do it. And it's not me. I one time in class had a student who was just complaining about her headache. Just really complaining. And she started actually disrupting the class. And I didn't even ask. I just went over and I put my hand on her head and I said, Headache, be gone in Jesus' name. And I spoke a little bit. And I walked away and she was like, what did you do? I said, I didn't do anything. She said, it's gone. I'm like, praise God. She said, how did you do that? And I said, I didn't do anything. God did it. Wow. You know, and she was like, that's kind of weird. But you know what? It was mainly because I was tired of hearing her complain. So it's like, get your headache out of the way so we can move on. But you know, sometimes it will really change a person's life if you pray for them and they see God shows up and does stuff. So, um, so I want to encourage you to be strong and be courageous and stand in faith. Access that courage that we have. And ask yourself, what could I do tomorrow or next week if I took courage? So be prepared because, you know, God doesn't tell you these things and remind you of these things without your needing them. So you're probably going to have some opportunities coming up in the next few, few days or weeks, right? So, and don't worry if you don't think you get it right. Because who knows what right looks like anyway? Only God does. Go out there and do it messy. God doesn't care. Do it messy. It doesn't matter. Just do it. So, if you have to, do it messy, but take courage. So, so anyway, I, I, I really hope that that was somewhat encouraging for you. I want to exhort you to have courage and to do things because this is part of showing love for the body and for those who don't know God, for orphans. And we're really, really well taught here. But sometimes I think we just need to remember, as Pastor says, to stretch and stretch. Because we can't get comfortable where we are. Let's take courage and let's take more ground. So, anyway. But thanks for joining us tonight. Um, and we'll be back on Sunday.